Today we dive into how in 2019, you can take a product-based consumer packaged goods business and scale. This is not another tech startup, angel invested success story. No, this is salt of the earth, Midwest hard work. Listen up, Sherlinger Scales of Mutt Sauce has something for you. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you've got with you today the Knucklehead Stephen. And I'm excited that we have Sherlinda, not Sherlindra, uh, from Mutsas up there in uh, the Great White North. My goodness gracious, it's probably snowing. You're in Dayton, Ohio, isn't that right? Yes, yeah, Dayton, Ohio. And it was snowing yesterday, and it'll be continue to snow throughout the weekend. Yep. Well, well, that's what that's that's what you get for having a business in in Ohio, right? <laughs> it is uh, it is fifty degrees in balmy uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, I can tell you that right now. And uh, it was cold yesterday. People were complaining about it being thirty. I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, but welcome to the show. We appreciate you taking some time. Um, we uh, we here at Knucklehead started this uh, podcast. Uh, where we wanted to focus focus the message around uh, messing up and making mistakes because those are the stories that quite frankly just don't get told. And we branded it knucklehead because somebody could from the outside looking in, look at those mistakes and say, only somebody who's uneducated, only somebody who's, who's messed up would make those mistakes. When in reality, a lot of times as business owners, we make the mistakes uh, from an educated standpoint. We make the mistakes thinking and betting that, uh, that our gut reaction or our processes or our systems are going to produce some tangible quality results when, in fact, um, sometimes they, they don't. And the, the, the things that don't work out the way that we intended to, that's the point of the show. And that's how we've been able to uh, highlight stories such as yours and you know, bring in people from MMA communities all the way up to you know, successful CEOs of multi, multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations. So it's, it's a lot of fun to have you here. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. This is great. I've been waiting for this moment with you. Talk about all the mistakes I've made. <laughs> I bet you have. I bet you have. I'm ready to testify. <laughs> all right. So t- tell people about what it's like, because uh, those who are just listening to us and not, and not watching us, um, obviously there's a difference between you and me. You're a woman, right? But you're also uh, an African-American woman who comes from the military background. Uh, that experience setting up a business is not going to be the same as mine as a, you know, a white dude, you know, living in the South, trying to get some things going with his business. So tell people a little bit about some of the realities that, uh, that you ran into whenever you were setting up a vendor contract where it didn't go well. Oh, yeah. Well, First, uh, I have to say, I, I do not come from a family of business owners. So I was flying by the seat of my pants since the very beginning. Um, I Googled how to start a business. So that lets you know my level of expertise. Um, on the way, I've, I've learned things like read the fine print. Uh, I've gotten into a couple of contracts where it's like, oh, well, you're going to pay for the delivery for this item, a big pallet across the country. I tried at first, I wanted to be everywhere. I wanted to serve everyone in the U.S. Uh, Even though we started in Dayton, Ohio, we were selling online. And I hadn't hadn't learned yet, like, the power of just being local. 
So I was like, we need to go viral. We need it. We need it all to happen now. And that first year I was like, oh my gosh, we are losing money. When we started e-commerce, I'm like, I'm losing money because I haven't calculated like how much it costs me to do fulfillment. So um, the first few months that we opened e-commerce, I think I lost like two grand. It was crazy. Yeah. We were doing, at first we were doing mom and pops and we were making a lot of money. Then I started e-commerce and we started losing money. And I'm like, this is crazy. So. Well, that, I mean, that's the reality of logistics. Um, it's, there's a reason why you know, gigantic businesses like Amazon uh, are in that game, that last mile. It's because, it's because small, small business owners, quite frankly, end up footing the bill. Um, that's interesting. And there's also like consultants. So I didn't learn until like year four um, that things like consultants, you have to really look at what is a, what's giving you a return on investment. So imagine by like year three, year four, I, I had sunk thousands of dollars into consultants. It's like couple of consultants. And when I looked at what they promised and what they delivered, you know, they overpromised and under delivered. And I know when they're probably going to hear this and be like, uh, what? Well, let's look at the receipts <laughs> at what was supposed to happen. And, um, I, you know, being in the military, you're like real hard, right? Like you're all about the rules and, you know, about the reg. And if it doesn't fit inside the box, like it's really black and white. But what I noticed with this journey because it was something that I was doing from my heart that I started leading with my heart. And that meant staying in, in uh, agreements or in business relationships that should have had a short expiration date, but I would just let it continue on because I felt bad about severing that relationship. Hmm. What, uh, when you, when you look back on it and you made that decision, uh, what stopped you from ending it sooner? Uh, just that they, they would express how they really badly wanted to be a part of the journey. Um, again, like they would say they, they felt drawn to it. They identified with what my grandfather's, um, mindset or his vision was with the product. They just wanted to be a part of this movement. And I, I wanted them to feel a sense of belonging too, but they could still be on this journey, but not in that position. Sure. No, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. So instead of them, you know, being as part of the inner circle, you wanted them to be able to say, Hey, listen, you, you can, you can be a part of it, uh, but go ahead and buy the product and facilitate the, the vendor relationships. Uh, but I'm not paying you anymore. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So tell people a little bit about what Mutt Sauce is because Mutt is not your name and your sauce uh, quite frankly, is a little bit different than, uh, than you. So t tell people a little bit about this product. Right. Yeah. Um, mutt sauce, they call it the sauce for every meal. It's a tomato based specialty sauce and specialty sauce is anything that you don't have to add spices to it. Cause it already has spices in it. Um, my grandfather came up with this recipe in 1956. His name was Charlie Farrell and his call sign was mutt. He was in Korean Vietnam. He was an aircraft technician and, um, aircraft mechanic. So they called him Mutt because they said he could blend in anywhere. Like this was a man who could travel the world and he had a friend in every country. Like he was that guy. He could blend in with anybody. There were no barriers for him. Uh, even back then when you, there's a ton of them. <laughs> and uh, that's just, that was his life. But he was really passionate about food. So he took the time to do like the hundred iterations of this recipe until he got to the flavor that he wanted. 
how it ended up in my hands was I was also serving on active duty. Um, it was five years after his death. He passed away from cancer in 2005. And it was 2013. I was stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I asked my mom about the sauce recipe and she said, I had a conversation with your grandfather before he passed away and he told me to hand you an envelope. And the envelope was the only time he ever wrote the recipe down. So he gave me that recipe. Why you? I don't know. I mean, I, I, what was your relationship with him like? Oh, it was really close. I loved him. Um, so I'm half Nigerian as well. And uh, my birth father went back to Nigeria when I was really young. Um, my mom, mom and dad got divorced when I was like three. So I, I've, I don't have a memory of him, but she moved into my grandparents' house out on a farm, uh, farm country in Tennessee. And I grew up there. So my father figure was my grandfather. And it was very interesting having a Vietnam Korean War vet as your father figure. <laughs> I, I bet it was a little bit interesting. <laughs> I like the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, he, he raised you with that era of values. And um, I have to say, it's, it makes me feel different a lot from peers my age because of that. Um, that's how I was raised. Was I mean, that's how you got brought up. I, I like that. That's your single source of truth. You, your, your calibration point or your coming back home. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, we were, we were really close. And uh, he would talk to me about all his war stories. And I thought they were tall tales, mostly Stephen. I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really great. And so I, I don't know. I don't know why he chose me. All of his children were still alive. So there were, he skipped his children and I'm the third grandkid. So he skipped like seven people. What, what is, what is dealing with uh, just that reality? What is dealing with that reality uh, as it relates to your family members? What, what is, what has that been like? Um, actually it's been surprisingly great because I, I sat them down and said, I really feel like he gave this to me um, to take care of the family. I, I, I love my family. I'm very protective of all my family members and I said, I don't know when that day will come that I will be able to take care of all of you. Entrepreneurship is not an overnight millionaire story. Um, but those are that's my intention. So I brought them all in and I said, just like Coca-Cola and all these KFC secret recipes, we have to band together to protect it. You can't copyright or patent a recipe. You actually have to lock it away and do trade secret agreements. So every living member of my family um, that knew him at that time signed a non-disclosure statement. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's rewind the clock back a little bit and you're, you're there behind the computer Googling how to run a business. Knowing, knowing what you know now, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself and say, Hey, get off that computer. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell you something. What would you tell yourself? Oh, I really enjoyed the journey. I think, um, I did better when I listened to my mentors instead of looking on, you know, the uh, movies about entrepreneurship or how they would glamorize it on TV, thinking that I had to do certain things like you need marketing materials, sell me this pen. So I bought like a thousand, something like ridiculous number of pens that I thought that a selling thing would be to hand someone a pen that had the Mutt Sauce logo on it and that would help. But it doesn't help you learn the flavor of mutt sauce. Mutt sauce is a very unique flavor, and you can't get that from a pen. So that was like, I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I 
right? So I was like, what a no, waste I mean, of I get it. I get it, money. But, but that, 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 that exercise taught you not to do it. So. I was, I was ticked because I, I was like, why, you know, why isn't anybody buying these pens or why isn't anybody buying mutt sauce because I'm giving away a crap ton of pens? <laughs> come on now that's funny now we listen to it i mean that's that's funny all right so you you had mutt sauce pens you had marketing yeah material. i, I had that. You had invested it. it was uh, I it. it was a learning point but i was like just listen to your mentors who are like you sell sauce by feeding people and it took a while to like really let that sink in you have to just taste and believe they won't believe in what you you're doing unless they taste the product so tell people then uh, you're largely there in Dayton, right? And um, you've got uh, you got traction outside of of Dayton uh, with your e-commerce business, but you're not investing heavily because of the uh, uh, excuse me, you, you're not going down that route because of the experience that you had in the beginning. Or have you crossed the chasm and have you decided to uh, to bridge the gap and say, hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm going to negotiate these contracts in, in a way that is advantageous for both the vendor and me or tell people a little bit about where you're at now. Sure. So <clears throat> we sell a mutt sauce in several different ways. We have retail customers that we contract with grocery stores and grocery store chains. Uh, that's, that's great. We have good margins there. And I had to learn like, what's a healthy margin It's about 35%. Uh, so I had to learn about margins. Uh, then I looked at e-commerce and I said, well, it can't be the same price. Actually, it would have to be more online to cover the cost of um, the fulfillment. And, you know, people buy online, they know that they have to pay more for convenience. So I was afraid to do that. I'm like, if they buy it, if they see it in the store and it's $4.99, they're not going to buy it online for like $6.99. Of course not. But they're like, yeah, well, we're buying online because it's convenient. And I know it has a shipping cost. So I'm cool. After we, exactly. Yeah. After Especially that, I was like, what was Miami I afraid of? Texas, for that matter. I mean, we're, of course, we're going to buy it online. Uh, we can't drive up to Ohio and buy a ticket and then go into the Piggly Wiggly there and buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So, there are uh, people that I've, I've gone to different events and let them try it. And I said, well, you know, I'm not in New York or we're not in this state, but you've had an opportunity to try it. And now you can, you can buy it online to have it shipped to your state. But we've been working diligently to expand our store footprint. Uh, 2017, we won the Bob Evans Farms Heroes of CEOs contest, which is a grant for a veteran owned business to expand. And they said, you need to go back to your own backyard, Ohio. There's a lot of Ohio to cover. That is a lot of money. It's like the food mecca of America. Uh, so many companies, Kroger, everyone's here. And uh, they said, that's my focus. So my focus is growing the store footprint. So was that, um, was that exercise that you went through with, with Bob Evans, that, that contest that you won? Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Was it something that you sought out? Or was it a marketing person that said, hey, listen, we need to go enter into this contest? Or did they find you? I, I, think, that, I think that the journey has been full of like happy accidents. <laughs> because it was the very last day. It was the very last day that you could apply. And uh, the Facebook group, Military Influencers, uh, someone had put it in there. They just posted, hey, today's the last day. I don't know if anybody's applied. You might want to you know, throw your name in the hat. So I was like, okay. And I remember I was uh, sitting, I think it was on like a lunch break or something. And I, I filled it in and 
I always keep, and this is one habit that I do, I keep a generic pitch video of different time lengths. So if they're like, give us a two minute, a five minute, 10 minute, I have like generic pitches that I can just upload the link to them. And, and so I was like, I got my generic, my generic pitch. I just uploaded that. It was from a few years ago, but it was still relevant. And yeah, maybe like three months later, after I'd totally forgotten about it, I got a call on my cell phone from Damon John from Shark Tank. And that was like, yeah. So I, I was like screaming in the, the hallways, like, are you okay? I was like crying, snot flowing. It was just, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's how that uh, happened. That's incredible. So can you share what that conversation was like? Or or is the net result of that conversation the winning of the, the Bob Evans uh, they, contest? Yeah, he personally called the three grand prize winners and told them, you know, we've reviewed everything. I'm going to be your mentor for the next year. And I wanted to personally call and congratulate you. So, I, I, you know, at first I didn't want to believe it. I'm like, I'm being punked. Like, this is not real. Uh, but then when you get there, yeah, we got to sit down with the CEO of Bob Evans Farms, uh, Mike Townsley, the CFO of Bob Evans and Damon John for a whole day and just talk about what we need to do strategically for our businesses to grow and what to do with the money. Because small businesses, like you hand them a check for 25 grand and some of them like, I am balling for real. Like I'm big balling. And, but th they wanted you to be really smart about it. Well, the um, it's a lot like the NFL, right? So a lot of the uh, the athletes that end up making it to that uh, to that windfall of cash, uh, actually adequately hand handling that um, are two separate things. And so the resources that the NFL dedicates to them to to smartly handle those things uh, that's that's it's almost a responsibility that they have in a way. You know, like come on, you're going to be educating somebody who could barely even scrape together fifty cents for you know, um, uh, for a, the cheeseburger last week. Now, all of a sudden you're going to trust them with $15 million. Right. Those, those habits, you know, it takes a long time to get a financial discipline. I even, I, I started consulting maybe like six months ago for small food businesses. And that is what I learned on the journey because you're a food business doesn't mean you're good at business. And a lot of these people, they're really great. They have a great product. They're a great baker. They're a great chef. Uh, but that's what they're good at. Business is a whole different realm. It's a whole different skill set. And, and I think, you know, being looking back with my grandfather, he was passionate about food. I can't say that I'm super passionate about making food. I am super passionate about business. And he knew I graduated um, with a business degree because he went to my college graduation. So he, I, I love business and I, I noticed that that's the missing link, especially like what you said with the football players, just because, you know, they have the money doesn't know, doesn't mean that they grew up with the financial know-how or discipline that someone who maybe grew up wealthy and had the tutelage of a rich parent. So what have your, what have your mentors told you uh, that you wished you would have known, you know? But whenever you first got started, stop selling freaking pins. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. How much did you invest in pins? My goodness gracious. It was a lot. Don't. Yeah. It was enough for, for me to, it was enough for me to hate a mutt sauce pin. That's for sure. If I see one around, around the house, I'm like, mm, 
Oh my God. I'm triggered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, uh, let's, let's end on this. Um, really two things. What are, what are some stereotypes or what are some, some things that historically, uh, uh, would have been a barrier to entry for, uh, for most folks. Have you decided to say, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. What are some things, uh, historically that have held other folks back that doesn't hold you back? Well, it's, it's really difficult to say it without sounding pretentious in a way, but I would say that my grandfather taught me that humility will take you farther than money. So I've approached the whole journey with humility. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the best sauce company yet. I'm I'm not the best entrepreneur. I'm not a military influencer. So I just tell myself that because I don't want to get in my head that I'm at the top of the food chain in any industry or, or anything like that. I want to strive to continue to learn and to be grateful when I have opportunities like that. So, uh, I, I, in consulting people, I've noticed there's a lot of pride and ego, uh, and it's hard to deal with, uh, pride and ego with an entrepreneur. You don't get very far if you think you're already at the top or you think that because you made this product that you are the smartest person in the room. Well, there's a lot of people that you interact with that probably feel yeah. that way. They, they probably feel as if they're in it. And I don't mean to, you know, essentially talk uh, to them in a way that they probably need to take a lesson in humility. I just want to highlight the fact that you recognized uh, it was a deliberate and intentional thing that you decided that you wanted to be able to bring to the table, that you wanted to be, be thankful every day, be thankful for uh, your lessons. And, uh, and through those lessons, you've learned, um, how to be better at what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's been very, you know it's saying? been very humbling, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm not afraid of, of stepping up to the plate when, when an opportunity happens, because there are some people who are afraid to walk in their gift. They're afraid of their own potential, or sometimes someone will reveal it to, to them or a situation will reveal it. And they're like, I can't do that. Well, I don't think the opportunity would have appeared for you if it wasn't meant for you to do it, and uh, and and to not be a not not be afraid to step up to the plate. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, how can people support you? How can people uh, get their hands on a on a bottle of mutt sauce? All right. <laughs> how can people How can people come in and interact with Sherlinda? Sure. Um, so everything on e-commerce we sell on muttsauce.com. Um, all of our social media is at Mutt Sauce. And uh, right now, so this is another thing that I learned real quick, our gluten-free flavor, we had a lot of uh, asks to make a gluten-free version. We have four. We have original sweet and spicy, ghost pepper, and gluten-free. It was because we have soy sauce. We don't use molasses. We use soy sauce. So I, I wanted to make one for the celiac community, but when we made it, we didn't have enough people saying, oh my God, you know, the, they weren't like buying it in droves like we have with the other flavors. And it made me sad, but I was like, I can't continue it if we don't have a big enough demand for it. Uh, so we are going to put the gluten-free is going to be half off uh, starting uh, this month. So 
we're just going to let people, the community have it and uh, we'll keep it moving. But yeah, you can, you can go in Kroger in Ohio. We have a contract with Kroger that starts in May of 2019. So I encourage everybody to, if you're in Ohio, go to your local Kroger store and buy. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what if I'm in Texas? Do I, I got to go to, I got to go to muttsauce.com and, and purchase my, my 50% off gluten in, in, in yes. conjunction with the ghost pepper and the other, the other flavors. Is that right? Yes. Get you a combo pack. All right. Got it. I like it. All right. So combo pack. So those of you who are not in Dayton, uh, go get you a combo pack so you can figure out what flavor, you know, caters to your palate. And we'll put it to you and put it to you that way. So, Shalinda, we appreciate you taking the time. Anything that you want to leave these folks with uh, as lessons learned or as we sign off? Uh, just stay humble. And thank you, Stephen. You're awesome. And thank you for what you do. Yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, well, for those of you who uh, who like listening to Knucklehead Podcast, we have a, a new episode every Tuesday. You can check us out over on YouTube or all the other social media channels. But stories like Sherlinda's, or excuse me, Sherlinda's are, are very, very important, uh, in my opinion, because the story of her grandfather, the story of that sauce, uh, largely they get lost whenever you're walking through the grocery store. Uh, you're not quite sure, you know, what the relevance of mutt sauce or whatever label you're looking at and how that carries it all the way down to the person that we're talking to today. Um, so if you want to get educated about, you know, all these brands and all the different uh stories that are out there uh, we encourage you to go check out some of our former episodes and we encourage you to also get in touch with her um, because she's got a wealth of knowledge talking with you know mentors that are on shark tank um, those are people who actually influence her decisions so that's that's incredible uh, we appreciate you taking the time thank you for taking the time to come onto the show and uh, we'll talk to you soon